You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Hello and welcome to The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing on with a, well, this today's guest is super special, Brittany McDonald. She's actually going to be one of our speakers at our Tulum retreat. So I'm just going to kind of read out Brittany's expansive bio here. So prior to founding her company now Blink, Brittany spent a decade at various global creative agencies before transitioning into the startup world where she helps build companies from the ground up. It's through her work with startups, specifically at Venice-based startup founder, she began focusing her attention on initiatives and projects that create significant impact at a systemic level, either through innovation or changing our mindset and behavior. So this is why I am so excited to welcome Brittany to the show. She's uh, she's just a superstar. So what's, hap- what's happening, Brittany? How are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. So you have had your hands in a lot of honey jars through life, I think. <laughs> do you want to do you want to just kind of maybe uh, bring it to a high level? What would you say is like your superpower? Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, I would say I'm very is adaptable the word I'm able to. I get joy in bouncing around and kind of learning new things. I'm very curious. So I would say that is my superpower. I'm curious, right? I I do not do well with being stagnant in any position or any role. And the minute I become or feel as though I'm becoming complacent in a job, that's the you know internal signal that it's time to go and learn something else, right? And I think too, you know, most of my career thus far has been spent in the creative agency world. And I think just that culture alone creates that type of person. You know, we used to say in the agency world, which is not common in any other industry, of course, but if you were at an agency for more than like three or four years, like there's something wrong because you're not continuing to learn and adapt and get cultural influences and, and get inspired by new things. You want to be out in the world, living life and experiencing things to kind of tap into that inspiration to apply it to what you're doing now. Right. And, you know, I've just always been really interested in learning different things. Um, you know, when I spent time in the agency world, you know, going to different agencies was always really exciting because when you met highly creative people, um, a lot of those people have become my close friends. Um, you learn different industries and verticals. You know, I've worked on car accounts. I've pitched, you know, home goods. I've pitched, you know, you know cleaning supplies and car companies and air companies, like banks. Like you just learn different things about different categories Um, but the consistent through line there is just always learning the hustle, right. Mm -hmm. And how to work really hard. And I guess teach yourself balance in a way. Um, but you know, you, you learn your work ethic there. That's the through line, regardless of where you are, but 
yeah, I would say I'm curious. That's my superpower. It's pretty much a long winded answer answer to get to that. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It, You know, and it's like the hallmark of innovation really is curiosity. The, and it's funny, like I spent four years at an agency and that was way too long. And like, by the time I was, Mm -hmm. I, so I feel you like at the, at the end of like three years, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not fired up anymore. You get that itch. You're like, oh, like I just need something else. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I guess in relationships, that would be a bad thing. But when it comes to like (laughs) inspiration, um, you want to keep feeling that itch to learn something else, right? I just think it keeps you on your toes a little bit. Um, And also, you know, complacency is boring. So who wants that? Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about, you know, blank now, like kind of, because I think this really provides you an opportunity to exercise a lot of the the same curiosity that you have, the same desire to impact, but it gives you a container that's pretty flexible. Do you want to just kind of describe kind of what you're doing with blank? Yeah. Container is an interesting word because I, I often use the word wrapper, which I think is kind of like, it's the same meaning. Um, like blank is always the wrapper to what we're learning and what we're discovering. So yeah, let me just give you some context on that. So blank, um, we are still a startup, you know, we've been around for about two and a half years now. And I would say blank was something that came out of my experience one working with big brands in the creative advertising space and really understanding the power of narrative and storytelling and how you message and how you put brands out in the world and it working, you know, it's why Mm -hmm. we have Super Bowl spots and we have big advertising. It's why we have digital advertising, like it works. Right. And it was also part of my experience of working, um, with startups and my time at founder when I would work with and just see all these different founders of startups come in, each of whom had a different perspective and take on what their sustainability angle as a brand would be, but no one was talking to each other, right? There was this gap between um, emerging brands and you know technology in the space um, and people not knowing that these things existed. Right. So Blink ultimately was created to be that bridge between emerging brands and technology that all think about sustainability at the onset of their creation with audiences that need to understand that these brands and innovations exist so that holistically we're more educated and aware of what is out there so that collectively we lower the carbon footprint. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say you know, the overall goal in our impact that we want to leave on the world is that people are more aware of the choices they have to live sustainably responsibly, right? I do not think that sustainability is at all a business problem. I truly believe that it is a human-centric issue. We all live on this planet. We all need to collectively be more informed as to what solutions exist for us to live on this planet longer. And I'm not saying that to scare the shit out of people. It's just like math at this point of what we have left. Um, But to do that, business can very much be a positive input to get 
to that point, right? There are so many brands and, you know, individuals that are doing amazing things, but they don't have the, have the runway, or maybe they just don't know how to insert themselves into cultures that people actually know what they're doing. Right. So we are those connectors. We're that, you know, that bridge. Um, and we really focus a lot within art, food, and fashion. And the reason why we focus in those three, you know, we'll call them cultural pillars. The reason why we focus in those three areas is because I just feel that they're the most influential and they relate to anyone and everyone in some type of way, right? It's the reason why the fashion weeks have such high influential impact on society and what we wear and the choices and the brands that we choose to have allegiance to. You know, food is in my mind, low hanging fruit. We all need to eat, but we all love to experience food, whether that's at a Michelin star restaurant or just at a family owned like table, you know, where people can actually have dialogue and learn and be in an intimate setting. And of course, art, you know, has mega influence in different areas and in different verticals. And it's just something that is so subjective, but also so emotionally personal and people resonate with on such different extremes. So we chose to focus in those three areas for now. It's not to say that we won't go into things in the future, but I just feel like that's the most impactful. So we started finding designers, artists, chefs, brands that worked in those verticals that were doing really interesting things um, and thinking about the sustainable solution at the onset of their development, right? And this means that we're now finding product or brand or designer or innovator across a spectrum of sustainability, right? It's not just the output necessarily of what you get. It could be the supply chain. It could be the innovation piece or the material. It could be the fact that we're upcycling material now to create something completely new, right? Because we would be crazy to think that like, oh, we can just solve sustainability. It's like, absolutely not. Sustainability <laughs> It's a vast spectrum that has so many different levers uh, on it. You need all of those to be unlocked to succinctly even think about how you tackle sustainability, right? But if we can bring awareness to the people that are in fact tackling those things on the, that spectrum, then maybe, maybe collectively, we'll all just be more inclined to pick the more sustainable solution in any of those areas, right? And so we're doing a bunch of stuff with chefs up in San Francisco and in California, um, especially since we're based in LA. Uh, we're doing, you know, a really big fashion exhibit this week, um, not this week, but this coming September in New York Fashion Week, which will be really great. We're bringing that whole concept um, to Europe next year. We're doing a whole exhibit in London around watching our waste, which is truly just focused on artists and chefs and designers that are minimizing waste. Exactly mm -hmm. like what is in the exhibit title. And that's just one side of our business, right? That is the, that's the exhibit model that is strictly just to bring awareness to people through a creative outlet because people like, you know, going to art shows and fashion shows and food and all of it. But the other half of our business, which is really much service-based, is working one-on-one -on -one with these brands or these designers or these, you know, sometimes existing legacy companies 
to strip away any tendency of greenwashing and really double down on what is your sustainability story? Why is it important? And how do we put it into the world so that people care, right? What is that differentiating factor that you're creating? I mean, I just got off a call with a fashion brand from London who is creating upcycled cashmere. I mean, cashmere at first, you're like, whoa, not good. You know, it's animals, it's, you know, mass produced. It's actually not. So there's a whole, you know, education factor there that we just need to completely change that narrative for them. And so that they can become the go-to cashmere distributor in a high-end circuit of fashion designers, right? So we work more one-on-one with brands and clients to just make sure that they're not greenwashing, they are sustainable and we hold them accountable to that. And then we help them figure out how to put their narrative into the world, whether that be through a creative exhibit, general advertising, more traditional routes, PR, whatever it may be. Like, And I think that's just to kind of bring it back to curiosity. That's what makes this really cool. Blank is just the wrapper in all mm-hmm. of this, but how we actually execute, how we like portray that story, how we bring that to the world could change. And there's no box or format that we stick to. A lot of times, you know, we know that a few formats work with the exhibits. We know that a few processes work in terms of getting to a narrative or getting to like what that sustainable nugget is with the brands. But a lot of times it's really more of a one-on-one situation where it's like, whoa, we love what you're doing. We have to build this whole thing around that. Like we need to like amplify this and really sometimes comes out of a 20 minute conversation and just like this unlock. And we're like, let's do something for that. That's totally focused on this. And that's what keeps it exciting. Incredible. Yes. And you know what I love about, about the whole concept is, is there, is a waterfall approach, right? You, you may Mm -hmm. not have like with, with social impact, even just impacting the world positively, Sometimes we feel like we personally can't, we're not big enough to solve those things. But when you add it up in a collective, in a collective manner, if you know your brand is doing something, the brand next to you is doing something, and then your customers start to learn from the story and then they behave differently, that waterfall, you know, who knows how big that impact is going to be. And it's funny because even in these calls, because you know, and this is one thing that I learned from working at Founder that I've implemented now moving forward. I will meet with every single founder, designer, innovator. I like one-on-one the way that we're doing right now. Like, and I want to hear that story. That's something that I learned from, you know, working in the startup world with Founder, the importance of hearing that story and really understanding. But it's oftentimes in those dialogues I see the waterfall take place and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, it's just the two of us right now. I wish (laughs) there's so many like ahas where it's like, oh yeah, we take this like upcycled linen and then we do this, which actually helps the supply chain because we only get it from Italy, which is actually only like a mile away from here. And you're just like, whoa, my brain is blown because we just had this waterfall effect of why this conversation is so important. But it's only the two of us. So yes. we need to amplify that and kind of get it in front of everyone. 
Yes. And speaking of that, I think let's, let's talk about some of the stuff that we're going to be, we're going to be talking about Tulum. You know, I know that, you know, we're going to have a lot of cool entrepreneurs there, people who are, uh, you know, at the, at the, at the top of their own little waterfall. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that you, you touched on quite a bit was culture and messaging, storytelling behind a product. Do you want to kind of get into some of the things that you're going to be sharing, like at the experience about how to craft yeah. a great story, how to, how to infuse culture into your messaging? Yeah, I think, you know, for Tulum, I think it's going to be really this focus on the importance of getting the story right and infusing pieces of culture into that. You know, I think we can all, you know, have a great idea for a business model, but it doesn't really mean anything if it doesn't resonate with people, right? People, and this, again, like we've learned this, that's why there's a whole industry around advertising. People buy in to the emotional aspect of a brand, right? And just because we're all at this retreat, not a big legacy brand yet, it doesn't mean that people still don't resonate with what people are aspiring to do. Um, so I think, you know, in Tulum, we'll talk a lot about the importance of storytelling, how we infuse aspects of culture and the why, what, hows, right? Like your why should always remain the same. Your what and the how you get to that, that can pivot, right? And it, and it should pivot. Like if you hold yourselves into such like a one track minded of how you get to the why you're almost setting yourself up for failure because there will be changes throughout, you know, the years of building a brand. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that, but I'm really excited because Shamir will be joining me and I'm sure, you know, she's another speaker that will be there. She'll be joining me for what we'll be discussing because I single-handedly doubled down on the PR and the marketing side to kind of get blank off the ground, right? And I think it's a risky move because most people would say, no, you should probably have like some proof of concepts like figured out before you hit go on press. But I just truly believe that good press is like really the catapult to kind of get you going. And I rolled the die on that one. Like I... I put it all behind press and that kind of got us the momentum that we needed. And it was really working closely with her to figure out what is the narrative that is true to our brand that, that works, but will stick mm -hmm. that people that's like sticky enough that people are like, Oh, that's interesting. We want to go to that, you know? And the funny thing is, is we launched, you know, we had a soft launch in London, but then we properly launched in LA we had publications in like Dubai picking up the story. So she'd be like, all right, Dubai's really interested in what you're doing. So like, do you want to go to Dubai? And I'd be like, I mean, I guess if they run the story, we're going to go to Dubai. Like, sure. And then like New York Fashion Week came along and we had an article um, and then a publication from Korea saw it and they were like, we love what you're doing. Can we run something on this? And I was like, whoa, Korea, like, sure. Like, so it just kind of, it proves that like stickiness is really important. And the way that you craft these narratives are really important, but on the flip side, it puts extra pressure 
to deliver. But mm. I, I thrive off that kind of pressure. I love that kind of chaos pressure. Like I need that in order to deliver. So that works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. Um, but yeah, like having that pressure of that extra press eyes just means that you need to pull it off that much more. Absolutely. And it's the risk taking, right? Like when you set yourself up for a big risk and you, you roll the dice, you, you know, like if, the, if, if that hits, it's going to be awesome. If it doesn't it, hit, it okay, doesn't, we try something else. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think, you know, and I don't think people take that risk. You know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she was like, I applaud you for getting all this press, but wow, you are adding such a layer of pressure now to pull it off. And I was just like, I know, I know, but we'll do it. We'll do it for sure. All right, great. So I think what we'll do is as we'll, we'll bring this home with just a, like a, a productivity stress relieving tip that you have something, you know, when you get overwhelmed by all the pressure as an entrepreneur, how do you cope? Yeah. Um, such a hard question. Honestly, this has been a bit of a struggle for me. I'm not going to lie because I do feel, and it's funny. I was just talking to someone they're like, Oh, did you take like a vacation or a holiday this year? I was like, no, I'm starting a business. There's really no days off. So while I feel like there's really no days off, one thing that I really do try to do is stay highly productive during like the proper week, like be very healthy, you know, eat clean, don't drink, go to sleep at a reasonable time. Like, because I really want to get my full potential during the week so that I know on the weekends, my phone goes off. Like I shut it off. And I know that is a bit of an extreme, but I just need that to decompress a bit. I need like one day that's just mine. And I have to respect that. And it gets kind of hard because sometimes you're like, oh, I'll just do that Sunday night before like the week, you know, but it's almost that discipline. Like even this week, you know, here in the States, we're heading into a long weekend and I really need that weekend, you know, like I'm tired. So it's like, okay, you have four days to just get everything done before New York fashion week, even though our exhibit isn't until the 10th, but set that you have four days and honor that so that you can relax and really turn off because when I don't turn off is when I start to burn that candle at both ends and I Mm -hmm. start to feel it and everything suffers from it. Absolutely. Yeah. I was feeling it today because I was like, oh, I'm going to work over the weekend. And and then and I was like, I got a lot done, but then Monday came and I'm like, whoa, oh, <laughs> where's all my yeah. energy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Beautiful. Well, I think this has been absolutely fantastic. I cannot wait to uh, reward all of your hard work with with some, you know, pina coladas and margaritas on the <laughs> beach in Tulum. So I'm obviously. So excited. Yes. Obviously, listeners, if you want to come hang out with Brittany and myself, plus a whole entourage of other incredible entrepreneurs. Don't, uh, don't hesitate, schedule a call with me and uh, we'll get, we'll get talking. So Brittany, anything else? How do we people stay in touch with you? How do they support you? How do we find oh, your fashion yeah. week? 
How do you find me in Fashion Week? You can definitely um, go to our site, abtblank.com. So about blank, but abtblank.com. Um, you can email me personally, if you'd like, at Britt, B-R-I-T-T, at plottingscheming.com. Um, and yeah, follow us on Instagram, blank official. Incredible. Thank you, Brittany. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.